Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestroProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm your host, The Dead Man. Over today, we have Cora. Hello. No, Birdie this week, he's off being a responsible adult or fucking whatever. I was actually a little surprised when I got the message saying he wasn't going to be on the podcast this week, because at no point had I thought he was going to be on the podcast this week. <laughs> so... Because we were discussing scheduling, and I said, okay, well, I can do the Anime and Manga podcast on this day, and you said, that's fine, and at no point did Birdie enter that conversation, <laughs> so I assumed. <laughs> the scheduling for these fucking things has gotten so fucked lately, I just assume everybody's going to be on everything until they tell me otherwise. Okay. Look, we used to have a schedule before that we kind of kept to, and then people quit, and then we hired new people, and then scheduling changed, and then all of a sudden, you guys are on the fucking anime podcast, anime, anime podcast all the time, and oh god. Well, if I remember correctly, it was. Birdie had to quit the anime podcast, so I took his place, and then he started doing the anime podcast again when we, due to a combination of factors, not uh, not the fault of the new guy, but due to a combination of factors, he's generally been unable to do any of the podcasts, so Birdie started taking over again. It's been weird. Welcome to the world of not being paid for your job. Yeah, I only recently noticed that his status on Skype is feeling the aster, which I only just finally like clicked in my head as to what the heck he was referencing. <laughs> which is weird because I remember that line. Like I rewatched that show recently, but I remembered that line even before revisiting the show. It just never clicked. <laughs> Anyway. Kind of sucks that Birdie in here because I specifically read a thing because Birdie talked about it. I read Welcome what to did the, you read? Welcome to the Ballroom. So did you read all 43 chapters like I did or just a couple? All 43. <laughs> <laughs> How can I fucking stop? Oh it's really fucking good. It is. I will say that it definitely borrows elements of sports manga, but it's not a sports manga into itself. In oh, no. It at no point makes me interested in trying out ballroom dancing. Oh, no. Like, I I mentioned this before, but I had, you know, some misgivings about Welcome to the Ballroom because of my experience with Yuri on Ice. Not the, uh, sa not the same thing in terms of, like, tone, story progression, anything like that. It's just they are both quote-unquote sports manga about sports that have highly subjective scoring systems. They're performance art-based. Exactly. Uh, athletics. Yeah, exactly. And with... I, uh, I get that. Yeah, and with Yuri on Ice, it was... They did just enough explaining for you to know that there are rules going on, but not so much that you could actually understand any fucking thing that was happening. Yeah. I say yeah as if I've actually watched any more than the first episode. A prime example of this <laughs> But is, I understand. A prime example of this is during one competition, Yuri was sitting up against a person. That person did, according to the fucking commentators, the best of his career. Yuri went out there, ate shit head first right into the fucking barrier around the ice rink and won by a wide margin. Yeah. This id don't give a fuck about how scoring works. They don't give a fuck about technical shit. This is all emotion. Yeah. They might get into it more in the future. And in truth, I wouldn't mind if they did. But it's not the... I don't know how to put it. It's not that it isn't the focus, but it's more a framing device for the characters. Yeah, like, this, is, this isn't about, like, him trying to be... This isn't about main guy trying to be, you know, the greatest dancer ever. It's not about... Like, any rivalry in this doesn't feel like a sports manga rivalry. It's just... 
It's just about the characters. There isn't really. I feel like a comparison could actually be made to baby steps in that regard, because if you ask me who the main character's rival is, it's like, well, I guess anybody he kind of lost to, but there's none of the cliche there. And in many ways, this is a story that primarily starts off because, yeah, no, this character just needs to find something to do. (laughs) Yeah, and is there a stigma around ballroom dancing? I would say, yeah. I'll admit that there is a connotation to it that... I don't think it would get in the way, if someone told me they were into ballroom dancing or something like that, I don't think it would get in the way of me appreciating their interests, but I I think it's fair to say that it is considered, as the manga itself puts it, kind of a stuffy and somewhat weird hobby. No, I I get that, but it was the... It was early on, right after a main guy discovered ballroom dancing, and like the girl he was into was in, was into ballroom dancing as well. And then the teacher walked by, it's like, "Oh, do you hear about that girl? She's into ballroom dancing. Oh, that's so disgusting." Yeah, that was a bit strange. I guess it's like it's can... not like she's in the it's not like she's out there fucking in twerk competitions. If it if the tango was something that people's minds jumped to more immediately, I could understand that, but. In all honesty, the tango is not what immediately comes to mind when I think ballroom dancing. So Yeah, I think waltz yeah, and step no, up I, to I, the streets. I I don't get it. it. That that was a weird moment. Yeah, it I I echo a lot of the points that Birdie made last time. Like this artist is real good at intensity. Yeah. But this is gonna sound this is gonna sound like a negative, but it really isn't. He guy's real great at intensity. Not real great at like flow of motion. Like I This this thing, while it does have a huge amount of respect for like ballroom dancers and the actual act of ballroom dancing, there's no real choreography that I can see. It's just it, it's kinda of hard to get choreography across in a like static medium like manga. Yeah. But anytime he draws, yeah, anytime he draws people dancing, it is more just intensity and emotion, and just there is movement happening. You don't necessarily know what it is, but it's fucking going. Yeah, I'm very fascinated to see what production IG does with this. Oh yeah, because just due to the very nature of it being animated, it will be radically different. Yes. So I'm intrigued by what they might do. And that's the that's the other thing that I it, I feel like the manga I feel like the anime might go more Yuri in that they one of the big problems with Yuri on Ice is that all of the choreography for the skating routines is the exact same. Like no matter what. Like any changes that make like main guy skates the same routines a few times. Because, you know, that's that's the circuit, I guess. But every time he skates, they only change the choreography by about 2%. And when I mean choreography, I also mean animation. Yeah. So he's supposed to be getting better, and there's supposed to be, like, this big fucking emotional response to these, dan- to these like, routines and stuff. Kind of hard to get that emotion across when it's the exact same animation. And I mean the exact same. Like, there is... They change the background, sometimes not even that, and they just I run know, through that routine over and over again. And with you're arguing that production IG might not turn in the necessary variety of animation. I am worried. It is a legitimate concern. I know production IG is a fucking amazing production house. It's just the the possibility it's, is always there. Birdie was expressing the exact same concern, and then I said, production IG, and he's like, oh, you're right, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) That was, like, the entirety of my argument. (laughs) Good studios can put out shit work. 
I don't know that they've ever... I'd have to really go and look. Have they ever turned anything that I considered to have lazy approach to implementing their animation? I, I really can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm looking too. Because it's like, you look at Ghost in the Shell, which is, what, 10 years old? It fucking holds up. So it's like, I... I Let's see what we You know, like animating here. animating like regular stuff and animating I don't know, just animating potentially like national level choreography for ballroom dancing. Uh, I feel like it's more a choreography thing that I'm worried about than actual I, I show twenty one might have had mediocre animation, but it's hard to say. That is, first of all, like fifteen years old and by everybody's account kinda shit. Even the source material is not all that great. Um Genshikin had good animation even though it didn't really need to. What are your thoughts on Haikyuu? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of stock assets they use multiple times but they use them well not always mm. multiple times where it's like hey Kakam's going up for a set let's use this fucking dead eyed fish face with him just hucking that ball up They'll use it again, and again, and then never again. I am not saying anything that really diminishes my expectations. No, like, I am excited for this fucking show. The, like, production yeah. ID, IG is a great studio that has put out some amazing work. I'm still going to be fucking worried about how they handle choreography and animation for that shit. Because it is a legitimate concern. Yeah, I'm just arguing that of pretty much all of the studios. It, this is a concern that I suspect would exist with any studio. And the fact that it's production IG kind of means that it largely... I can't think of any studio that would reduce my concerns more. Fair. Like, you know, Madhouse has turned in more crap, in my opinion, than IG. So, I can't say them, because, again, I've watched plenty of Madhouse series that were not great. Yeah. Uh, another thing that is just... I'm kind of getting a One Punch Man bit from this, in that... I don't think the anime can ever look as good as the manga does to me. Hmm. Like, even if it is the fucking ama most amazing production house that ever lived, I'll still be like, yeah, yeah. Because like, there's, a, there's a preview out now for the, see, for the new show. And looks a bit too clean, just... Comparison-wise, like, direct one-to-one -one comparison is just a bit too clean. Which, that... I get that. And, to be fair, it was about 30 seconds of the main guy, kind of... The main guy, like, practice dancing in the fucking studio. So, again, that's not really... I am kind of worried. But I ended up loving One Punch Man, so fuck it. I'll probably end up loving this, too. Fuck it. Mm. Moving on. I read a book called Dolly Kill Kill. Okay. So, you know, when I talk about those books that are about a weird apocalypse that's really horribly bloody and kind of perverted. You can just say, you know, when I talk about manga. 
So Dolly Kill Kill is like one of those, but removing all the perverted and horrendously gory shit. Okay. So we have main guy's name is Aruma. Uh, he is a he's on his high school baseball team. Along with his best buddy and the girl he's crush on. Suddenly, a bunch of weird mosquitoes start invading the world, and when they sting you, you dissolve. Then these giant evil mascot people start showing up and sucking people into weird organ cannon things. Then everybody dies. Except they leave like... like a One Punch Man deleted scene. Kind of is. And, th- and so, like the dollies, so the dollies, as they call them, uh, leave like one percent of the world's population alive. And after a certain point, they just don't kill people anymore unless they are provoked. Aruma has existed; he is kept alive despite wanting to kill himself and putting a gun in his mouth every single night. He just is too much of a pussy to kill himself, so he goes out. Anytime people are like, fuck with him, he's like, "Yeah, fucking do it, dude. Let's go." Turns out he's magic. Because, of course, he is. Because the dollies have giant barriers around them that bulls can't get through. And he can just fucking go in and just punch them. Any any weapons he use, they go through the barrier. There's the big fucking thing. I'm not going to sell anybody on this. <laughs> I wasn't entirely certain whether you were trying to or not. I don't think I, I'm really bad at selling manga. I, I've realized that after a while, but I'm kind of really shit at like saying, Hey dude, check out this fucking thing. It's really good. But it's got like all this is fucking wrong with it, but it's really good. But with this, it, it takes away what I didn't like about. It takes away a couple of the things that I don't like about the other series like this. I have mentioned. Namely, all the weird perverted shit and just, like, the weird fetishization. I don't know how to say that word. Do you want me to say it? Fetishization? Yes. It's it's a fucking tongue twister for me. It takes away the that of, like, both children and the gore. Like, the gore is there, but it's more in a... It's more in a shonen manga sense of gore than a this style of story gore. Like our main character. Yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out if I've ever read anything you recommended. Probably not. I really don't actually know. Largely because the things I recommend. To be are, fair, yeah. Things I recommend are mostly like horror and quote unquote horror. Yeah, you do tend to aim for not necessarily genres, but aesthetics that I don't tend to pursue. Yeah. But what I mean by like Shonen Gore is like a main character gets his leg cut off, and instead of being like this really detailed picture of like the exposed stump as blood just pours out of it and he's like fucking eyes bulging out of his face like he's having an orgasm. It is like, oh, I have this fucking evil face, like I'm gonna kill you, and the leg stump is just a black thing with some like black liquid pouring out of it. More Full Metal Alchemist, less Helsing. Yeah. And then from there, things get things get more shonen as the series goes on. Like we introduce these like huge, we introduce like this big selection of supporting characters. Uh, you know, a varying, a varying skill sets and power levels, and everyone's like, oh, we gotta wait for fucking Ruma to get here, he's fucking Goku, or whatever. Uh, we get introductions to villains, we get this, we get, it's, it's a weird thing where as the series progresses, it gets more and more for a younger audience, but not, and I don't mean like, oh yeah, it gets more and more kitty and shit, I mean, it gets more and more, like, mainstream. I understand what you mean. And that actually kind of makes it better. Hmm. And also so far they haven't introduced time travel as an idea yet. So, you know, fucking aces right now. <laughs> aces, Charles. 
Yeah, and like there is a there is a bigger world going on around here. Like there is stuff we don't know, stuff that I'm kind of interested in knowing, but that if they don't reveal it, it won't really fucking break anything for me. Like I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna walk away from this unsatisfied. I came in here kind of getting I came into this knowing I came into this with an idea knowing what it would be, and it wasn't that and kind of exceeded what I thought it would be. Actually, can I ask a question? Because it's occurred to me I don't actually know the answer. Yes. You've seen Full Metal Alchemist, right? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I saw the original Full Metal Alchemist anime. I read all the manga, and then I've seen a couple episodes of Full Metal Brotherhood. Brotherhood is very good. But then again, it is the manga. Yeah, and I've read the manga. Yeah. Also, Full Metal Alchemist is one of the few shows I can't watch in sub. Yeah. Like, it's I w- not bad, it's just not the dub. Yeah, like, the that was back before I really knew that subs were a thing. And I spent so much time, like, watching the... I spent so much time watching the dub on, you know, YTV, the Canadian television channel. That I now can't hear the voices in anything other than English. So that was a fun experience after years of watching fucking sub. I'm like, oh, brother, I'll check that out. Start watching the sub. I'm like, I can't. This is just weird. No. The one th- weird thing about the dub is the change to Alphonse's voice, but the voice actress does such a good job, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, sorry about sorry about the sidetrack. It was just a question that it entered my head and I realized I didn't know the answer. Yeah, no worries. I'm talking about fucking Dolly Kill Kill, dude. <laughs> Nobody out there is look, fucking looking for my hot takes on this amazing manga. <laughs> well, the subject of bleeding leg stumps came up and I felt it was relevant. <laughs> yeah. Art's really good, though. I really like the art. It is a lot cleaner than other series like this. Like, with some of the other series, they f- they spend so much fucking time drawing out fucking veins and drawing out gore and blood and the fucking making that 10-year-old look real hot. Grim realism. Not even that. It is like, it's not, it's not even grim realism. Well, it is like grim caricatures. Yeah, but compared to realism, I guess might not be the right word, but it's more surreal than anything real. Uh... Yes, but it's still less cartoonish than the traditional anime style. Even if it's not aiming for realism, it's aiming for a... Uh, Like, Green Worlds, I could say, is a bit more, you know, closer to realism. But something like fucking Magical Girl Apocalypse, that is straight camp. That is a fucking... Mm. That is is a man on the fucking pier drawing caricatures after he fell off his meds. Okay. This... The sort of image I have in my head would be, I guess, like... Uh, how should I put it? Gantz, maybe? I don't know. I'm trying... Like, I, no, again, I, I don't I, read any of this crap, so... Gantz is... Gantz is closer to realism than anything else I've talked about. Okay. My mistake. Because, like, with that one, it is very much... Because with Gantz, uh, especially with the with the artist, he is very much like... Alright, people have these proportions, they look like this, they go like this, this is this. This is how people look. And he tries to keep everything within that level of. He tries, to keep, he tries to keep everything within those proportions, even when they are freaking the fuck out. Meanwhile, in something like Magical Apocalypse, it is all right. This guy looks like this until he's freaking out. Then his head grows to five times the size, and his mouth is all of a sudden curling up over his eyes. And this is not that. This this feels like a shonen manga. This feels like something that would not be out of place in Jump. I see. And I think that actually works. Like, the first issue, the first uh, chapter is the most out of touch with the rest of the book. Because the first chapter, they, the first chapter feels like they were trying to go for the more standard, this style of story, where, like, the, where the people fucking dissolve, it is like, 
it is like in some level of detail where we see a person's arm turn into soup. Going forward, they never do anything that graphic again. Hmm. And even when they're in like a room that looks like it's made out of people's organs, there's nothing super explicit about it. They're like, like, yeah, there are body parts and stuff lying around, but it's all very clean. I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, so... Of the weird apocalypse books I've read and mentioned on this show, this is probably the best. But that's not saying much. Moving on. It is easily the one you've made me the most interested in. Yeah, if you read it, you might not hate it. Just that first chapter is a bit of a hump to get over. The first few chapters, actually, because while the gore and like the and like the imagery of it never really gets to first chapter levels again. The feel of it and like the themes they're going for and the way the fir- the way the main character like acts and talks and the world and stuff, it does feel like those other books for the first few chapters. But after like chapter like six or seven or so, it starts to get more. The tone, you're saying the tone gradually shifts and it takes a little while for it to level out. Yeah. Okay. Once it introduces the second main character, I think the book really finds its stride. Anyway, uh, then after that, I read um, one ch- one chapter one and one one shot. The chapter one is a book that uh, we had mentioned in news a couple weeks back. Uh, we can't study. It's a new book uh, from Jump. Uh, Manga streams doing the translation of it. And it's fine. It it's well, some- now we've got a new and we've got a new one that you've sold me on. This is a this is a book that I feel I would need to like hear somebody else like mention that it's good in order to come back to it. I see. Yeah, so main character he he, he is trying to get into the I you get know that. So main character is trying to get into the like the fast track to college and stuff, the main, the big special student career path in it at his high school. And he just kind of can't really do it because in the kind of the two main branches of subjects, like the literature, like the literature side, you know, English, Japanese literature, like Chinese literature, shit like that. And in the math and physics and science side, uh, there are two people who are so smart in each of those subjects that they make him look like an idiot. And he is considered a genius. <laughs> So on the one side, we have a girl who is very quiet, reserved. She is kind of almost robotic in a sense. And she is able to do advanced mathematical equations in a, in like less than a second. On the literature side, we have a girl who is constantly asleep during class, but she is able to fucking bang out essays and short stories. They're able to bring people to tears immediately in like 10 minutes. And so in order to get into the program that the, that the main character wants to get into, he has to tutor these two in order to get them into the colleges they want to go to. The STEM girl wants to go, wants to go to an arts college and the arts college girl wants to go to a STEM school. And they are both idiots when it comes to the other subjects. <laughs> like the STEM girl, uh, she looks at, she looks at like, she reads a short story in order to try to like, you know, determine character motivation and stuff. And she tries like a mathematical equation to figure it out and just f- fails like things catch fire and everything. Uh, the other girl is like, I it's like, I like science and stuff. What's a number? And so he and so this character main guy, he starts. These two girls have been abandoned by mo- by every tutor, by every tutor they've had. So they have like abandonment issues and stuff, and so he accidentally says he can abandon them, and then reads their notes, develops like study curriculums for both of them based on their notes. It's like, hey, I'm gonna help you, and they're like, oh, cool, we're gonna be super cute about it now, Durr. And then going forward, that's what the story will be. It's like not a terrible premise. It's just it's a premise that. Kind of needs to go somewhere for it to really be interesting to me. 
Yeah, I get that. Uh, art style wise, it really reminds me of the world God only knows that weird harem series, but like a bit rounder and sleeker, I guess. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I get, I get what you mean. It's just I, I had a, I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> style response. Uh, and I was just sort of looking off into the horizon. That's a for name a few I've not heard there. in many years. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike the world God only knows, but the anime did not handle it well uh, in terms of structuring the story. Apparently. Wait, and you mean the anime never, of a harem series didn't handle it very well? Well, I mean, keep in mind that as a series, it was an interesting concept, but they decided, hey, why don't we skip all of these stories so that we can get to the main plot and then try and just sort of exposition the stuff we need back in? Because, <laughs> like, after the first season, I think they jumped a lot of narrative in order to get to some of the more uh, interesting story arcs, uh-huh. from what I from what I know, because I read a decent amount of the manga. I didn't get v- very far though, and I started watching season two of the anime and just said, "Oh God, no, fuck this," because <laughs> I have no fucking clue what the hell they're talking about. He's so good at video games, that means he's ladies, man. It was an interesting series because they decided, okay, this is a premise that is inherently misogynistic. So in order to balance that out, let's make sure that no one can respect this main character ever. (laughs) And it kind of worked in a mad scientist kind of way. Yeah, a little bit. I was like, you know what? Yeah, that premise makes me roll my eyes, but the moment I see this main character in action, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this guy is fucking pathetic. (laughs) (sighs) That fucking guy. Like, just because he can see the strings doesn't mean that he's some puppet master. (laughs) He is stumbling through this the best he can. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a series that should have never worked and kind of did despite all odds. Yeah, so art style is reminds me of that. Like that was the first thing I thought when I looked at it. I was like, oh hey, it's the world it's the world godly knows guy. Yeah. And Yeah, that's all I really got for that one. It's it's not a bad premise. It just needs legs. Speaking of legs, I read a manga about parkour. Uh, okay. Because you're running with your legs. Anyway, it was a one shot. Uh, it's called Skyaways, and the and it's Skyaways with a possessive apostrophe s. There's nobody in it called Skyaway. So fuck it, I guess. That title's just stupid. So it's in a city. Uh, it's like a fairly big city. Uh, the middle of it is, you know, big, opulent. Uh, everybody's fucking amazing. And then, the out- and then the outskirts of it is a slum where no cop has jurisdiction except for fancy cops. <laughs> dystopian free running exactly pretty much yeah. oh my god it is mirror's edge the manga a little bit <laughs> so starts out with starts out with a two parents talk about their daughter uh he's like oh yeah she wants this thing oh she can't for the fucking money or whatever and then it is and then cut to somebody in a mountain of teddy bears that are covered in diamond necklaces because, you know, opulence. Yeah. At which point, a man in a windbreaker with ski goggles on and, an ice, and like an ice axe grabs one of the teddy bears and jumps out a window. Fair enough. He then parkours like a motherfucker. And 
he gets to the slums. Then we meet a then we meet one of the one of the fancy cops who also parkours, but she parkours for justice and the fucking people, the rich assholes living in the high rises. Turns out the two of them are bros and have been friends for a while. They used to run together when they were kids, but now one of them is a Robin Hood and the other one is a fucking narc. It turns out the guy stole a teddy bear to give to the girl because it's a fucking birthday present or whatever. <sighs> the world is more inter- the world I find in this book is more interesting than any single frame of the parkour running. Mm. Because the art is very simple. Like a lot of it is just very simple lines. There's not a whole lot of like shading going on in there. There's not a whole lot of like dynamic gradient or anything. It's it's all very flat. And so having as having like this parkour shit, like t- imagine taking a single image of somebody doing parkour and then take away all detail. Mm. It's not that impressive. Like I can like the sense of movement I can kind of get like when he is doing the fancy shit like using one like using his fucking ice hook or whatever to fucking grab onto a flagpole to spin in midair, running on wires and shit like that. I can get what they're doing. It's just none of it has any energy to it. The world, though, I do find interesting, especially in the slums, because in the slums, there is this whole other, there are like multiple other stories going on in there that we see. And then every single time, and then every single time, uh, what will happen is they're, they're in the middle of doing their thing. And then the fucking hoodie parkour man and the cop parkour lady are running by. It's like, oh, it's those two again. I don't know what they're doing. Like, like there's, there's this fucking bit where we see like five dudes with fucking assault rifles and bandanas on, about to go fucking, like, raid a cop place or whatever. And they look up and like, oh, it's those dudes again. What are those crazy kids up to? Oh, well, let's go murder some cops. And I just like that. It is this kind of whole other world that while, while there wasn't a whole lot there, there was, like, the sense that things were happening there separate from our main two. But our main two are still, like, a really big part of the world. I like the way they said that. I like the way that all played out. I just wish it was more interesting to look at. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Read it for yourself if you wanted, but it, this. I could not really see this being turned into a full series. Anyway. Other than that, just, you know, the standard stuff. Black Clover, Haikyuu, My Hero Academia. Nothing really big yeah. happening there. It's just been the most recent chapter we learned that the Canadian one, I guess, just based on his eyes. <laughs> that guy was. I have a- not read this chapter yet, by the way. I don't know if this came out. I don't know. This, I don't know today. if this is a spoiler or not. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. Okay. <sighs> it's it's not really it's not really a big reveal, but it's revealed that he was the front runner to get All Might's power. Uh he was the one. He was basically like, before he met before All Might met Deku. If he never met him, this guy would likely have all for one. I mean, one for all. Yeah. Yeah, and then we met All Might's old sidekick. Shenanigans are going to happen with him. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. I don't have too much. Like we mentioned, I did read... All of that's available of Barum e Yokoso, which, yeah, it is very good. I enjoyed it a decent amount. 
I... The way I would describe it is very competently done. I don't actually know that I think it's all that great. But it is, at the very least, quite enjoyable. Uh, but as far as anime is concerned, I did watch Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, at least the first episode of that. It's enjoyable. I, I don't think I'll be keeping up with it because I'm not a huge fan of comedy anime. Uh-huh. But I really do like the main character. She's... How should I put this? The best way I can describe her at this point is what if Dr. House was a woman approaching middle age who worked a desk job and had a maid fetish. And that might actually sell the series more than I intended to. But yeah, that combination of factors. It's, it's really not. I'm just trying to wrap my head around well, that idea. <laughs> she is kind of not necessarily antisocial. She's just sort of irritated by most people to some extent from what I can tell. And she definitely is. For example, I won't early in the episode, the idea is presented to her of simply writing the dragon to work every day, which she very quickly determines will not fucking work because it's just very difficult on her back. <laughs> She's like, no, I can't do this. Is she popping Vicodin? <laughs> nope, but just that general curmudgeonly attitude is what leans me uh, to say, yeah, there's a mild similarity there. And they don't reveal the whole maid fetish thing until maybe like two-thirds of the way into the episode where it's she goes out drinking with uh, one of her co-workers and the dragon maid ends up tagging along because she suspects that the co-worker is trying to take advantage of Kobayashi. Uh -huh. And no, it turns out that he just gets her slightly plastered and then they talk about made stuff. <laughs> and the reveal works rather well. <laughs> because there's that moment where she just kind of lets go of everything and starts criticizing the dragon maid and breaking down her attire and everything and explaining why you need to commit yourself more to this. And the co-workers right there with her saying, yes, yes, I completely agree and then you need to do this and the reason it works is because the drinking conversation starts out just about workplace stuff and the dragon has no idea what they're talking about and she very quickly realizes she has no way of connecting with any of this and then they get plastered and the conversation jumps to maid stuff and the dragon realizes she has no idea what they're talking about and has no way to connect with any of this stuff <laughs> So it's got good comedic timing. It's got a good sense of humor. The dragon calling up one of the other dragons using magic to ask how best to help serve someone. And the answer just being, kill them all. <laughs> That's amusing. <laughs> I, it, it definitely has a nice sense of humor. The characters work pretty well. But... I don't know that I'll be coming back to it too often because again, maybe when it's all been, maybe once it's all aired, I might return to it because again, comedies don't tend to have that. I need to watch the episode, the next episode right now mentality. Yeah. So there's always that chance they just won't come back to the next episode. Uh huh. And so I might wait and see on that, but it's at the very least enjoyable. I think it's pretty good. I'm still watching Yojo Senkai, which I talked last time about how this show buried the lead. Yes. Like, really badly. Yeah. And it really is just hitting me how bad a job they did with that. <laughs> because after the first episode, almost everything is narrated by the main character. 
It's her analyzing and breaking down situations, figuring out how to play stuff to her advantage. The first episode does not have that, and it is far less interesting because it doesn't have that. Okay, I just, I don't know if I heard this wrong or you said it like this, analyze? I said analyze. Okay, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time watching porn. Okay. Anal. Eyes. It, I, I don't know. I Analyze. is Analyze, analyze. It's, my head went there. Sorry. It just happened. Okay. I shouldn't have brought it up. But I will admit that oddly does transition to one minor question <laughs> that I did have like pop into my head, which is what happens when uh, the main character reaches sexual maturity? Does her previous life alter what she would find attractive? Oh, yeah, that is... I, I I don't really care to get into that too much because I think she's like ten or eleven at this point. Yeah, in the show, yeah, and I'm I know she's a gonna, child. That is, we don't talk about yeah, that with children. But but that that is, but it that, is, is a that is an idea. That, <laughs> that is an idea that they could do something with. Yeah, but God, that'd be weird. It's interesting because she, on one hand, she's trying to work her way up through the military. She is trying to curry favor with a variety of individuals that are higher ranking and at the same time is desperately trying to avoid the front lines and also there is, is a it bizarre also is like moment also a 45 year old man yeah i think he was in his 30s when he died but yeah still yeah has all of the knowledge and there's a lot of moments where what she's saying and what she's thinking are so radically different that it's amusing to watch that juxtaposition. Which, again, first episode, I had fucking none of that. But there's a moment where one of her superiors reveals to her that they have decided to try and implement her idea of a mobile mage uh, battalion that would serve to essentially perform guerrilla tactics. Yeah. Because she revealed her belief that this war that they're involved in could develop into a world war. And she ended up suggesting this as one possible tactic that could be implemented to help uh, avoid using too many resources. And then she realizes she's going to be placed as the head of that battalion. And she is trying so hard to pretend to be happy about that. Because <laughs> she does not want to be fucking on the front lines doing guerrilla tactics. Who would? <laughs> and she tries so hard to sabotage this idea. <laughs> like, she ends up with so many applications, she's like, well, at least I can try and stall for time by you know, just gradually working my way through these applications. And then she realizes the higher ups have sent her an assistant who unfortunately for her is very capable and knows how to manage the process and get other people to help. Uh-huh. So she gets, so she starts trying to work her way through the recruits, trying to, essentially weed as many of them out as possible. So she won't have enough that qualify. But the superiors tell her, okay, well, take those who don't necessarily meet your standards, but come close, and put them through a training regimen. She's like, okay, I'll need a month. And they're surprised, because that's not a particularly long time. She then spends the next month torturing these people so they will not want her to join her battalion. <laughs> and unfortunately for her, the way they view it is, man, she's willing to hit us with a fucking avalanche. Which is, well, to be fair, not her fault, but she does take advantage of the avalanche. Yeah, naturally. Uh, and, like, God, if we don't, if this is how she's willing to treat people who are joining her battalion, imagine what she'll do if we drop out. <laughs> and much to her shock and horror, everyone makes it through the training. So I, I really love this juxtaposition of her stated goals and her intended goals. 
Yeah. But in in that I enjoy that, it becomes all the more bizarre how crap I thought the first episode was. (laughs) Because in theory, you could say, oh, it's there to let us see how everybody else views that character, and then they'll pull the rug out from you with the second episode, but... You get an idea of how everybody views this character in every episode. It's it's not like it's... You understand how this character is perceived. Yeah. So, I I do not understand the point of that first episode. Yeah, I'm also still watching Akka, the show about government bureaucracy. Which I finally figured out why I did not like just saying Akka. I kept calling it ACCA. And it finally hit me. Akka in Japanese, of course, means red. But when I hear Akka, my brain connects that to infant. Because Akachan is an infant or baby in Japanese. And I finally realized why I thought the name sounded so silly. So whenever I heard it, I was somewhere in the back of my head, I was like, oh, baby. <laughs> and I did not realize that until recently. Yeah, governmental baby oversight. That's got to be a series, right? Like series of like children being bureaucrats. I'm sure. I don't know. I might have been one of the seasons of The West Wing. But <laughs> I'm still really enjoying the show. I I do respect the fact that it might not be for everybody. I know that Birdie did not particularly care for it, but I enjoy its developments, its characters, and its sense of humor. I will admit the characters have a tendency to be relatively dry, at least the primary ones, but I don't mind that. So, I really, I don't know what to say to either sell it to someone or to establish whether or not they'll like it. It's a bizarre situation. Because... A situation I find myself in all too often. Yeah, I would recommend checking out the opening either way because I think some of the visuals in that are brilliant and... I was actually counting the number of cuts that are present in the opening. And there are a decent number towards the end, but it takes a while for them to start showing up. And the transitions that they use are very effective. Because as far as sheer cuts go, there's probably like maybe as many as 15. Which for an opening is actually relatively small. Yeah. And I did watch the ending. I don't know why Birdie disagreed with my statement that it resembled the aesthetics of Gankutsuo's opening. It, they, yeah, I really do see it, but I don't know. But yeah, I, I recommend it. It Its visuals are interesting. I like its style and the characters. So I, I would definitely say that it's worth checking out. It's At this point, I would stay, say that... Yojo Senkai is catching up as being one of the best series of this season, but I think that Aka remains probably the best. So, okay. both of those I think are definitely worth checking out. Uh, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, maybe not as much, but definitely not a bad experience to watch it. So... That's what I've been checking out. Okay, then. So, Death Rotten, watch and read, and then on to news! First up, uh, in the second light novel adaptation of My Hero Academia, it was revealed that the second season of the anime by, uh, the anime by Bones will be coming out on March 25th. That is a not insignificant amount of time ahead of the usual April release schedule for spring season anime. Which reminded me that there is a spring season coming up. And I had not yet checked out the Narragate giant image about what's coming. 
which include which includes a show I had never even heard of called Adam the Beginning. Which is a prequel series to Astro Boy. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, like the, the lot that went through my head is like Adam, is it Yeah, it's Tetsuan Adam. To, it, yeah. it is about it is about Tenma and Ochanamizu making a robot that is the precursor to Astro Boy. Hmm. Also, a new season of Yotsume, no, Natsume Yujincho. I actually think I need to finish the last season. And then other shit, which we'll probably talk about when the season actually begins. Hmm. Anywho, moving I usually on. Usually wait till random. Uh, I usually wait till random curiosity starts previewing stuff to really try and figure out what I'm going to check out. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So Crunchyroll has announced that, well, first, it has surpassed 1 million paid subscribers, which is great. Crunchyroll is a really good service, which you check out. But with that, it has also announced that it will be starting up its own convention. Called the Crunchyroll Expo, uh, it is Crunchyroll teaming up, teaming up with Left Field Media uh, to launch a new convention uh, in Santa Clara, California, at the Santa Clara Convention Center this August. Uh, the convention will run from the 25th to the 27th. And uh, in addition to Crunchyroll, uh, I'm just going to read straight from this article. The event will feature other partners and publishers from the anime industry, although Crunchyroll has not yet announced specific companies. Left Field Media's team, is, Left Field Media's team working on Crunchyroll Expo includes some other people who fucking cares. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the... Crunchyroll director of events Adam Sheehan uh, commented that the, uh, the commented that the convention's goal will be different from other anime conventions, um, specifically citing uh, trade shows and conventions such as BlizzCon, PAX, South by Southwest, and E3. Sheehan said regarding the event, "You're going to see some things that have not been done before at anime cons. Some things that have been done, but we're going to do it differently." And some of the fan favorites that people continue to enjoy will be brought back in either in different ways or more broadly and more extensively for the fans. Uh, the website for the thing, which is CrunchyrollExpo.com, uh, says the convention will be having um, exhibits, screening, panels, and guest appearances by some of the biggest personalities in Japan and the U.S. And that convention will be celebrating anime, manga, games, cosplay, all that shit. Uh, it's going to go one of two ways, because on one hand, it could add some degree of, how should I put it, artistic credibility to anime, which I wouldn't necessarily say that should be a major priority, but it's not a bad thing to gain. But on the other hand, E3. Yeah. So you, there's a balance there. <laughs> You don't. It's like, yeah, you mentioned South by Southwest. Okay, that's a fantastic idea. You can learn a lot from that. I from that, but then you have E three things like E three or an, other comparisons could be made to various other gaming journalism events because gaming journalism does not handle events well. I I don't. The, I feel like this thing shouldn't be a trade show like E3. Yeah. It needs to be like an actual convention along the lines of like PAX or BlizzCon. Like like those aren't re like those events aren't like, all right, so we're going to have the fucking press come in here. We're going to show them all these game stuff. It is. It is like, hey, fucking the people get in here and play this shit. It's cool. Maybe. And, and they have, well, and they, again, have like, and they like, could uh, also with, aim a little more for uh, South by Southwest. There, there, like, there's a balance that can be found. But, yeah, if we hear at any point that the Schick Hydro is going to be sponsoring this, I'm going to just say, okay, burn it to the ground. They need to start over. Yeah, I can't wait for Jeff Keighley's live, uh, live reactions to this shit on Game Slice. Anyway, final thing. <sighs> uh... The Shogakukan uh, Big Comic Superior magazine uh, revealed that they'll be having uh, two new manga titles uh, launching in an upcoming issue of upcoming issues of their magazine. Uh, both of them by people who 
according to this, according to these articles on fucking Anime News Network, are people of note. Uh, so the first one is a new book from uh, Shuzo Oshimi, who made uh, Flowers of Evil. Mm. And the other one is from uh, Inui Asan- um, Inio Asano, who did a book called Goodnight Pun Pun. Okay. Apparently that's... I know Flowers of Evil, but I, yeah, never heard of that second one. Yeah, so the first book, well, the the first new series will be coming out in the February 24th issue. Uh, It will have color opening page and have the issue's front cover. Uh, It is called Chino Wadachi. Uh, roughly translated as Blood Furrow. The magazine teases the manga as such. The illusion of that person leads me astray. Mother and son, this is the ultimate favoritism. That tells us nothing. But it sounds appropriate, given that this is the person who wrote Flowers of Evil. Yeah, the one from Inio Asano is called Reiraku. Reiraku. Uh, roughly translated as Downfall. And it is teased as such. This story will show the... Nine, drip- nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't avoid a downfall reference. This story will show the drifting soul of a lone manga artist whose heart has been used up. That, that actually does sound mildly interesting. Though, regardless of what the story actually is, their summary still should have just been nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Because it would be too perfect. Yeah. Anyway, that's all. That's all the news that we got this week. That's it for this week. Another short show. Did games mm. earlier this week, and it was also about this long. I actually would have had probably more to say about games. <laughs> And actually, on that note, it just occurred to me that my thousandth tweet was pertaining to the fact that gameplay footage of Resident Evil 7 makes me feel nostalgic. For home. Uh, Okay, then. I grew up in a fucking plantation. It... (laughs) Well, you're from Louisiana. I I assumed everyone had at some point lived in a plantation. No, trust me, I think I'm the only person I know that can make that claim. And I, to be fair, it had less murderous hillbillies. I'm not going to say none. Like, okay, our plantation had none. But I'm, you know, surrounding areas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, with the exception of the fact that Resident Evil 7 inexplicably has hills. Uh, like changes in elevation on the ground it's like no that that's not a thing that happens uh it's like yeah no this makes me feel oddly nostalgic it's because of all the viruses man that made him immortal that's the same thing it it erodes the land and gives rolling hills (laughs) it's like okay if it was that that's why ditch i'd buy it that's why that's why if resident evil game will ever be set in saskatchewan you'll know things are fucked because things just because you like look you like look out into onto the horizon and not be able to see the next city. <laughs> There's like a news report that'll come up like in other news, strange strange rocky outcroppings have been appearing all over Saskatchewan and the rest of the prairies. Uh scientific experts are calling them hills. A bizarre <laughs> phenomenon not seen in the prairies. Yeah, and I I laugh, but I technically I, I had a hill across the street from my house growing up. <laughs> I mean, okay, technically technically they called it a levee, but you know, close enough. Just <laughs> I feel like I've been taking hills for granted. <laughs> Just I've never really. Thinking back on all the houses I've lived in, 
the outstanding feature in my memory is not there was a hill across the street. <laughs> and to be fair, okay, it was a levee, but still. Thank y'all for joining yeah, us. No, like, in, small history uh, factoid that I think might amuse you. In New Orleans, there's something called Monkey Hill that's located in the zoo. And it was created back in, I don't know when, I think it was like the 60s, so that children attending the zoo would get to see what a hill was like. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you glad that I included that factoid? Was it a big attraction where like people being pulled in like, mommy, mommy, I want to go see the hill. No, they have footage like from the 60s of kids just being amazed. It's like, oh my god, the ground is increase. The ground is an incline of like more than nothing. Yeah. What is this demon magic? Yeah, just about that. That accurately describes the reactions of the kids upon seeing a hill. Were any of the parents worried that having hills in their town would like bring about the fucking big city corruption or some bullshit? It's like, ah, these hills are going to lead the children right to Satan. No, no. There is a reason why, uh, like, two months back or so, I did tweet an image of, like, the fog in New Orleans with the title, Welcome to Silent, Complete Absence of Hills. (laughs) Welcome to Silent Plain. (laughs) It's what you get when you try and build on swampland. That's going to be it for this week. Yep. Thank you all for joining us. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks time with an episode of the Nestorprods.com Anime Manga Podcast. In between now and then, though, we're going to be having our regular run news, baby reviews, podcasts. Ow! Cans of bullshit, but... Until then, I'm dead. And I'm Cora. And we'll see you guys next time.